Hello, hello, and what is up, teachers? Hope everyone's well. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about what to do before you set a detention. Okay, so let's dive right in. So you might ask, well, why is it necessary to do anything before you set a detention? Surely if that's your school's system, for example, to give three warnings followed by a detention, and you're following that system, then surely you're doing everything right, right? Unfortunately, it's not that simple. See, the thing is, schools... Often they, they'll give you a behavior system, and most of the time it will be a, ro a robust system. But if, you've over, if you're overly reliant on it, like if you're somebody who is setting a lot of detentions, for example, or removing a lot of kids from your room, okay? So if you're overly reliant on that system for behavior management, you are seen as a weaker teacher. Schools generally don't like it when you're passing the buck. In other words, when you're... To put it crudely, when you're transferring your problem to somebody else and making it their problem so that you can get an easier life. They don't like it when you do that. I mean, if you think when you set a detention and let's say kids don't go to that detention, then you set another one, they don't go to that. Then presumably you have to pass that on to somebody else, right? So you're making that somebody else's problem now. And that's why schools don't like it because you're pretty much, you're giving them the impression that you can't deal with things independently. Now, before I continue, I realize that actually everything I've said so far does sound pretty harsh, particularly if you're a new teacher. So I'm just going to put in a health warning, if that's what you want to call it. When you're new to a school and a new teacher, when you're a new teacher, it is perfectly normal to set more sanctions than your average established teacher. Okay, so I don't want people being afraid, thinking, oh, you know what, I can't set a detention because I'm going to be seen as weaker. That will not be the case. That will not be the case at the start. Okay, at the start, it will be different. If later on you become too dependent on it in the way that I've described, then you risk being seen as a weaker teacher. So, for example, let's say between September and December, at, during the time, the, a crucial time when you're establishing yourself, Let's say you've got you've set a lot of detentions and you've and you've done more sanctions then. If that number doesn't reduce, okay, the following term, that would go against you. And just to reassure you, nine times out of ten, it will be significantly lower. So again, I'm just gonna say I don't want ECTs worrying. I want you to be mindful and diplomatic, but I don't want you to worry about stuff because actually there's no need to. Okay, so the first way in which you can avoid setting sanctions is by prioritizing misbehaviors. So being mindful of what you're going to punish and what you're not going to punish. As a general rule, the misbehaviors you should really put your foot down on are anything that affects safety. I mean, that's a no-brainer. But secondly, anything that disrupts the learning in the lesson. Okay, so safety and anything that disrupts the learning in the lesson. Those are the two that you need to tackle before anything else. Now, this might be obvious to some, but I tend to notice that for ECTs, there's a need almost to do everything by the book, okay? So let's say your behavior policy says that you've got to set a detention upon the second incompletion of homework. And let's say you've got a class that never does their homework, or at least say half of them never ever do their homework. Um, and there's lots of kids in there who are disrupting the lesson all the time. So of those, the better ones to prioritize would be the ones that are disrupting the lesson. Because if you do anything else, let's say if you prioritize everything, you prioritize the one, I mean, by definition, you can't prioritize everything, but I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. So let's say you prioritize all of them. You're giving detentions to the ones that don't do their homework repeatedly, and you're giving detentions to the ones who are constantly talking over you. 
you're going to be exhausted for one. And for two, you're actually going to be overusing the system as well. All right. So it's not going to work in terms of your own well-being, but also it's going to make you look worse. Right now, there is a level of irony to that somewhere. I'm sure you can see it, but it is what it is. So the thing to do would be to make sure, let's say you've got six kids in that class who are just hell-bent on low-level disruption. Put all your energy into those and get the homework sorted later. Because look, how well your kids do is dependent on what goes on in your lesson. And not only that, when your SLTs and your line managers come in, they're going to go by what they see in the lesson. That is priority for them. It's priority for the kids too. Generally speaking, everything else is secondary. However, I am going to say that if your school's priorities shift, then you too would have to shift. So for example, let's say there's a whole school focus on homework and kids doing homework, not doing homework, etc. Then in that case, you would have to prove that you are chasing up homework. So homework would be a priority or not just homework. It could be uniform, whatever it is, that would become priority at the time, in which case you have to alter your priorities according to whatever the whole school priority is. But the default is what I said, okay? So the default is always gonna be safety. I mean, that's always gonna be priority anyway, but I'm sure you take my point. Safety and learning in the lesson. Anything that adversely affects those two, that's your default priority. But of course, you have to be flexible when the situation changes. Another way to avoid setting a sanction is by stopping the behavior escalating i.e. nipping it in the bud. And there are three ways of doing that. Firstly, you could try having a word. So here's an example of, of where you might use that. Let's say you've got a kid who's just talking loads, constantly distracting, disrupting the lesson, and, you'd, and you've given them two warnings so far. So after one or two warnings, you can say, right, excuse me, Steve, can you, name, can you wait outside for a second? You send Steve outside, then you go over and you say, look, why have I sent you out? And nine times out of ten, then he's going to tell you exactly why you sent him out. Then you can have the chat there. You can say something to the effect of, look, if you were me, what would you do? Right? You're going in the direction of me having to give you detention. I really don't want to do that, but you're, you're giving me no choice here. A lot of the time, just that will do it. All right? And, and the behavior won't continue. So you've saved yourself a problem right there. Secondly, you could phone home. Now, I know often phoning home is kind of a sanction in its own right. But there's no reason why you can't make a warning phone call. So, for example, Steve keeps talking in the lesson and you can see that it's going in the direction whereby if he continues, you're going to have to do X, Y, Z. So there's no reason why you can't just ring home and say, look, he's talking too much. If it continues at this rate, I'm going to have to give him a detention or send him out the room, etc., etc. By the way, I know some of you guys hate talking on the phone, but let me just tell you. Just a phone call home will save you so much time and energy, right? They don't take long at all. Whereas detentions and things like this, you have to, there's a lot of chasing and stuff involved a lot of the time. Whereas a phone call, you can really just shut it down right there if the parents are on board. Thirdly, request a meeting with the child and the pastoral lead. So let's say you've had a child who's, for whatever reason, they've decided they hate your guts, they're absolutely defiant, and you find yourself just having no choice but to remove, from, remove them from the room every lesson. To avoid having to keep doing that, tell the pastoral lead, it could be the head of year or the head of house, whatever it is, tell them that there's been a communication, or rather a breakdown in communication between you and in this case, Steve, and that's something you want to repair. Now, what happens in the meeting, providing it's not just some big 
altercation where you know you're just shouting at each other and <laughs> you know in the worst case scenario what actually happens in the meeting is not that important okay the fact that you've had one actually says a lot to both the child and to the pastoral lead so just having the meeting is is usually enough i i mean the only advice i would give is try and keep it positive so it would be something like um you know what you're giving me no other choice but to keep sending you out the room I'm going to need you to follow my expectations. I personally would not get into a restorative conversation in this specific meeting. I think therefore another time. Um, so I wouldn't ask them the questions of a, of a restorative conversation. So what were you thinking when you did this? How can we... I, I wouldn't ask that. I'd make my, expecta my expectations clear again. Um, I'd make it clear to the child that I actually don't dislike them. I'm saying... I, I would actually say, you've got, actually got a lot of good traits, but... I still have to teach my lesson. I'd go along that route. But again, that bit is kind of up to you. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you found it helpful. Do check out my books on Amazon, The Unofficial Teacher's Manual, What They Don't Teach You in Training, and Teaching for Realists, Making the Education System Work for You and Your Pupils. Take care.